0: You're listening to the After Sports Podcast with Mike and Paul. We interview all types of sports athletes with a twist. Where are they after they leave the game? We'd like to know what they're up to, how the transition worked, and what advice would they give athletes involved in a sports career now? The original odd couple of journalism. Mike knows sports, Paul, not so much. Tune in for interesting interviews, life coaching insights, and, of course, laughter. Be sure to like, subscribe, and click the bell to receive notice of future podcasts and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Mike and Paul.
1: Welcome back to our Benefit You podcast, the only podcast produced by employee benefit professionals, For employee benefit professionals, I'm your host, Paul Burt. Sitting beside me is my co-host, Mike Rittenhouse. We are the original odd couple of journalism. Mike and I couldn't be more different. One listen to our podcast, and you'll know why. Bringing a unique blend of introspection with lifelong benefit experience to the listener, we hope that you find value in our efforts. Producing a podcast is a great deal of fun, and, as we've learned, a great deal of effort. We've created a Patreon account to help us defray the costs, Mainly of research and post production editing. You can head over to Patreon and support our page if you feel so inclined. We'd be immensely thankful and we'll shout out your sponsorship if you desire. Look in the show notes for the address. Two of our ongoing sponsors are WL Benefits Group and Data245.com. Head over to WLBenefitsGroup.com or Data245.com to learn more about these companies. Okay, on to the show.
2: First of all, I, I wanted to kind of give a, our, our guests a little bit of background on on David, and he, he, as Paul mentioned, he's very distinguished. So I wanted to kind of tell you about some of the many things that he did. So David Sweet is our guest, and uh, David is a longtime uh, media executive. He's also an author. Uh, he's he's written with W or MSNBC, which I found very impressive. He's also written with the Wall Street Journal, managed the Pioneer Press, as well as the North Shore Weekend.
1: Here in Chicago? Maybe. Yep,
2: here locally. Um, he also wrote, as Paul mentioned, the Lamar Hunt story. Uh, it's, it's, it's phrased the gentle giant who revolutionized professional sports. As, as Paul also mentioned, it was released in 2010. Uh, the book is spe- specifically about the football giant uh, and the founder of the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFL. For some of the, those that may not date back to that, um, the AFL was um, later merged with the uh, NFL to create the, uh, to, the, to the NFC, I should say, which is what we currently have today as the NFL. Uh, the book explains how, uh, how the football giant, Lamar Hunt, uh, his interest ran much farther than just football. Uh, he also helped uh, form Major League Soccer, the pro tennis tour that we have today, as well as our local Chicago Bulls. Uh, as, as Paul also kind of referred to, in uh, September 1st, David is releasing another book called The Three Seconds uh, in Munich, the controversial 1972 Olympic basketball final. And I would just like to mention before we kind of bring David on, uh, that David's books, both Lamar Hunt as well as uh, the, uh, the Munich story, is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble Bookstores, as well as several others. Um, And it's available for download on Kindle and Nookbook as well.
1: That's how I get mine. I I download right to Kindle. It's cheaper.
2: And then I can carry it anywhere I want.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I love Kindle. I love Kindle. Uh,
2: So without further ado, I am honored to welcome Paul's friend and an amazing author, David Sweet. So David, welcome to the program.
3: Well, thanks for having me, Mike and Paul. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you, David. I have the advantage of having known David for a number of years. And so I have a, a bit of a inside track, uh, in terms of his personality. He's, he's certainly one of the smartest men I've ever met. And, um, went one, one meeting with David and you'll get that. We want to get right to the book, however, because this is a story I hadn't heard of. It's certainly, um, we've done research, David. We haven't received uh, your book yet. It's not been, been published, uh, until next week. But, there is a real backstory to this. Would you fill us in? First of all, I think I'd like to know how you chose this story. And second of all, can you give us a a 30,000-foot overview of what you're writing here?
3: Uh, Yeah, I'd be happy to do both. Uh, How I chose it, um, I was only nine years old when the game happened. I didn't actually see it. Um, Ironically enough, I was at the 1980 Miracle on Ice hockey game, which is sort of the opposite of of this. (laughs) Uh, But the 72 game... intrigued me a lot because um, it was so dramatic, it was so controversial. And and to give you the 30,000-foot overview, basically the name of the book, Three Seconds in Munich, refers to the fact that the last three seconds of the U.S.-Soviet gold medal basketball game was played three times. Um, And it was played that many times because the head of international basketball kept putting the time on the clock. Um, and basically that gave the chance of the Soviet Union to win their first gold medal, and it broke the U.S.'s 63-game winning streak in the Olympics. They had never lost a game. So that that was one part of the book, but um, even more perhaps fascinating, or why it resonates even today, is the U.S. players were the first Olympic athletes ever to reject their medals. All 12 players did that they rejected the silver medal and to this day, 47 years later, they still haven't accepted their medals. And some of them have in their wills that their descendants can't accept their medals. And we think about, you know, boyhood dreams and all that. I mean, all these uh, guys, you know, their dream was to win an Olympic medal, but they uh, refused to accept the medal. They uh, They thought they should have won the gold and they rejected the silver that they were given.
1: So did they, were they favored to win, quite obviously, after 16 years of winning? And who was it that was responsible for putting time back on the clock, and why did they do that?
3: Uh, well, basically, on the time issue, uh, his name was R. William Jones. He was the head of international basketball. And if you want a comparison that makes sense to uh, U.S. listeners, uh, it's as if Adam Silver of the NBA came down in an NBA championship game and kept demanding that time be put on the clock. Um, basically, Doug Collins uh, of the United States had two free throws with three seconds left to give the U.S. the lead. Uh, the Soviets inbounded the ball. Two seconds had passed, and uh, this one of the Soviet assistant coaches said, I called timeout, I called timeout. You know, you didn't see the timeout. Um, basically, a timeout, wasn't allowed after Doug Collins held the ball for the second free throw. Anyway, the head of international Mm -hmm. basketball came down from the stand and said, "Uh, okay, he's right, two more seconds on the clock. So it was back to three seconds Mm -hmm. instead of one second. And then uh, the Soviets inbounded again. They missed their shot. And, you know, there's pandemonium. The U.S. won the gold medal. Uh, And then the head of international basketball came down again and said, no, the clock wasn't set correctly, uh, so we have to play three seconds oh, again. The, the clock, you know, didn't say three seconds. So the Soviets inbounded again a third time, and this time uh, a referee who was part of a uh, Bulgaria, a Soviet satellite, basically, uh, removed Tom mm-hmm. McMillan, a U.S. player, from the inbounder, so he couldn't, you know, sort of harass the inbounder. Which gave the inbounder a clear look down court. He passed it all the way down the court and a guy named Alexander Beloff put the ball in and the game was over. The Soviets won.
1: Oh jeez. Now this is the period of time I'm sorry, Mike. This is a period of time when we were thickly involved in the Cold War. I mean Correct. the tensions between the US the tensions between the US and the Soviets were never higher. Correct. Um, is that what you think was the reason for this allowance, or, or, or how do you explain that?
3: Well, that's a good question. Uh, e- even 20 years before, in 1952, the U.S. coach at the Olympics, uh, Fog Allen, he had complained about R. William Jones and said he was in the Soviet camp. He would, uh, you know, he was on the Soviet side when they play games and this and that. So there had always been some suspicion about R. William Jones. Um, that again, the head of international basketball, and in reality, uh, the Soviets winning was great for him and what he stood for, because the fact that someone other than the United States who had won every Olympic gold medal since 1936, the fact that someone else could win only meant that uh, basketball would become more popular internationally.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't this a reason why the 1980 Olympics, when we when we beat the Russian? Um, hockey team was such a great win for us?
3: Uh, You know, I don't think there's that big a connection. That's a good question. But, um, you know, they're two totally separate sports, and one's in the Winter Olympics, one's in the summer. So Mm -hmm. I I think the the hockey win (laughs) was more the fact that, that the Soviets were just the dominant ice hockey team for so long, and they had won many gold medals. And they were basically a professional team, and the U.S. was filled with a bunch of college players.
1: Yeah. Well, it it seems like validation, doesn't it? You know, vindication, maybe. Yeah,
3: (laughs) true.
2: David, can you talk about how how unprecedented it is for some of the things that happened in the last three seconds to actually have happened for David Silver, in your analogy, to come down and make that kind of a decision to – you know, not once, but twice, um, you know, essentially give them a shot at. I mean, can you just put in in perspective for us kind of how unprecedented those decisions were, not once, but twice to be made in an Olympic game?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd say they were were entirely unprecedented. Uh, And I was, you know, I searched long and hard for other similar uh, things that happened in that manner, and I really couldn't find them. Um, and that's why this game, I would call the most controversial finish in the history of sports, because you you almost, well, you never really see uh, a commissioner, say, going in and changing the outcome of a game. I mean, the referees are supposed to uh, have the power over the court, over whatever happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned unprecedented. And it uh, again, there is no precedent, uh, nothing close to what happened in Munich.
0: Now,
1: David, you said you're eight years old when this happened. Where did you find the interest to write an entire book about this?
3: Uh, I, I would just say it's just such a dramatic, controversial finish. I mean, I love sports. And as you mentioned nicely that I wrote the book about Lamar Hunt, who was all about sports, uh, starting sports leagues and teams and all that. And I could sort of feel what the U.S. players had to go through, you know, You can feel the heartbreak they went through. You know, their dreams were shattered. And not because they really lost the game on the floor, although the Soviets played them very well, but that it was taken away from them. You know, they basically won the game twice. And they, you know, our William Jones kept saying, no, there's more time, there's more time. Uh, And then the Soviets finally won it. I mean, the last three seconds actually took about five minutes in real time. And, you know, and at the end of this, you know, they had celebrated, you know, just like we won the gold medal and Doug Collins compared it to finding out that they lost afterwards that, you know, it's like being on the top of the Sears Tower at that point and going all the way, falling all the way down. I mean, you're at the very height and then you go all the way down. I'm actually talking to you from the Willis Tower. So that's sort of ironic. (laughs) What's known known as the Sears Tower? (laughs)
1: Right, right.
2: And and for and for Paul's edification, you know, Doug Collins is is, is an icon to
1: mm-hmm. us here. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I mean, Doug Collins is a is a basketball coach. He was part of the Chicago Bulls for a very long time. I mean, Doug Collins is like he's the man. He's, he's the man. He's a guy that we all we've all just revered mm-hmm. for a
3: very very long time.
1: It, oh, yeah, David, uh, none of us have. Uh, oh, written, uh, no, go ahead, I'll, Go ahead, go ahead No, i well, I'm just saying none just of us, us have, add, have written book. Uh,
3: i just going to add, Mike. You're right. Um, And, I mean, Doug made these two free throws after he had been uh, basically tossed into the basketball stanchion. You know, that's how he was fouled. He was knocked out. But he went and shot two free throws that gave the U.S. the lead, and he was, you know, hazy after the foul. Um, And, yes, to your point, I mean, he became coach of the Chicago Bulls. He was the number one overall draft choice in 1973 of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, had a great career in the NBA as a player and a coach, um, and yeah, he you know he, he w- his free throws would have been etched in history if uh, if those final three seconds hadn't played out the way they did.
1: That's a great point. All right, David, I I know you have other commitments. You're going to be releasing your book here soon, so I'm I know you're busy on the press trail. Um, how does one prepare and research for a book like this? It happened over 40 years ago. You're talking about the Soviet Union. Uh, some of the people that were involved may not be around today. They may have expired. How do you do that? I, I think maybe the audience would be curious to know how you prepare for a book like this.
3: Uh, that's a great question. I would say first of all, you know, bottom line, you have to be passionate about the topic, because that's if you aren't passionate, you're never going to get through the couple of years you're working on it. Um, but I did a lot of research via old newspapers, magazine articles. Uh, YouTube was helpful uh, in in terms of watching the game. Um, I interviewed a number of the U.S. players. Uh, eight out of the eleven who are still alive, uh, and the one who had wow. passed away, one of the the one who had passed away, Dwight Jones. Um, I did interview his daughter. Uh, on the Soviet side, the majority of their players have died, and I wasn't able to. Uh, contact any of their players but in the public record there are uh, plenty of comments from them about the game so I I was able to use those and one guy who was interesting I talked with uh, was the head of the New Jersey Nets Um, in fact actually ironically he just sold the team but he he had been head of the New Jersey Nets when I talked to him and he lived in Moscow uh, during the 1972 game And and yes, and his dad was involved with Soviet sports and he remembered watching the game. And to think, you know, a little boy then who there was no chance a guy like that could become an NBA owner in 1972. But, you know, the Thanks. Soviet Union disbands, and and you know, and then thirty years later, roughly, he's head of the New Jersey Nets. Uh, so that that was interesting to get his perspective on on stuff. So I I just like to say too, I love the research and the interviewing and the writing. It's just all of it's right up my alley. So I, I really enjoy doing it.
1: Well, now you've given us one of the answers. It takes years to write You're right. something like this. <laughs>
2: I can't I can't help but even if I had no other question ask the you know the obvious question which overshadowed which the massacre or the game
3: well yeah the massacre overshadowed everything and that's uh what most people would remember and and rightly so uh I mean just the horror of the uh 11 Israelis who died uh, you know during peacetime um one of the issues as well was um you know, Jewish athletes dying on German soil so soon after World War II, or at least that World War II was still in the memories of memory with uh, of many with Hitler and concentration camps and all that. Um, so you know, the the terrorism was a, a horror show. Um, so that overshadowed everything. But this game, in in terms of sports, is just again, it just resonates in terms of the controversy, the heartbreak, the corruption, and, uh, you know, just the, I guess the principled stand as well the athletes took because it, it wasn't that easy to say, you know, we're rejecting our medals. I mean, some of the team, or not Team USA, some of the USA governing body folks were very against it. Uh, Tom McMillan's coach from University of Maryland was very against it. So it wasn't like, you know, they did this and everyone applauded. But uh, they, they, you know, it could have been, it could have backfired on him. But, you know, at this point, so many years later, you know, they're really still proud of what they did. And to a man, they refused to accept the silver medal, which is pretty amazing that they've been that unified for so long.
1: Yeah, that is amazing. It's a great story. Um,
3: fascinating story. It
1: seems like Steven Spielberg should make a movie about your book now. So <laughs> right. We'll reach out to him right away. Yeah. We'll, we'll reach out to him right away. And tell him this is the next book here, or next movie.
2: Wait, he's First already thing. done
1: that. Well, yeah, that's but he needs to write one about this.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. just it, add to the title. That's <laughs> kind of right, Munich. Yeah, there you
1: go. More at Munich. Something else it's happened right in here. Munich. Yeah, um, something else. we don't mean to downplay it. This, <laughs> right. this is really, it's an amazing story. I, now, the problem I have, David, personally, is if I download this on Kindle, you can't autograph it. <laughs> so I got to get, I got to buy the book. Is what I'm saying. Sure. I got to buy the book, so I'm going to encourage our listeners to go out and buy this book. Uh, quite obviously, it's a fascinating story. Most people didn't even hear know about it.
2: Well, and, and yeah. I think one of the things that we left out of the yeah. interview is something that you talked about before we brought the listeners and David on, and and I would highly encourage because it is part of our history. Jim McKay being the call. You know, mm-hmm. they, they denounce mm-hmm. the terrorism, you know, they're all yeah. gone. And, you know, and, and David kind of mentioned that before we got on. I would highly encourage, he was also part of the wide world of sports. Yeah, the, I was right. part of my show. Oh,
1: I remember that. The agony and, of defeat, and, and yeah.
2: I love yes, it mm-hmm. was his actual tagline was the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat,
1: yeah. and I'll right.
2: never forget that. And I highly recommend anybody that doesn't know much about Wide World of Sports, it was just, I mean, it was I, like every Saturday. In my well, this and news, and yeah. this was
1: before CNN and twenty-four hour news, and this was before all that. You know, you got your sports news from Jim McKay, I, yeah. and it, his chilling words—they're gone, they're all gone. I, I mean, it still resonates today, and it's still sad to say, but
2: and the way David oh, said horrible. it was so amazing is, is yeah. he actually thought it was them saying that they had been scared,
1: They made it, they made it. you yeah. know,
2: but it was because there was a usage in Jim McKay's kind mm-hmm.
1: of yeah. tone yeah. or
2: whatever that when they heard that, they were a little surprised.
1: Well, there is a fascinating backstory to the 72 Olympics that none of us knew, and here it right. is. Go ahead, David.
3: Oh, I was going to say, just to okay. uh, Mike's point, uh, I don't know. In the book, I mentioned that Howard Cosell wanted to be on the air live oh, yeah. but they thought he'd be a little too hot-headed about the whole uh, terrorism and so they put Jim McKay on instead because he was obviously very calm uh, trustworthy and mm-hmm. all that um, and they just thought Howard would have you know been a little too emotional maybe so I mean Jim McKay was really the perfect person and as you note yeah everyone remembers the you know they're all gone uh, what a what a line mm-hmm. a sad line
1: yeah, It's like when Walter Cronkite announced that the president Kennedy had died. Mm-hmm. That's the right. same sort of moment, you know, in, yeah. in, in history that you never That's forget. True. Well, right. David, we can't thank you enough for spending time with us. This is fascinating. We we look forward to getting the book and reading it. Um, and then I'll stop by your house, knock on the door and make you sign it. Um, yeah.
3: But and I, I'd Mike, like did, to give add, anything, any
1: closing thoughts?
3: Well, oh, ahead, just, please, a, just a quick pitch. Uh, if anyone who's listening, I'm happy to uh, send, books um if you send me an email at dafsuite at aol.com i'm happy to take orders and and ship them as they aren't in bookstores yet uh they come out in bookstores september 1st um and okay i i would just say so beyond that pitch obviously you know it's it's just a great story um it's just fascinating the different parts to it i mean a number of the u.s players uh, remember the terrorism itself, just being in the Olympic Village and, and, and being near it. Uh, one of the players, Tom Burleson, had the unfortunate experience of uh, having a West German soldier's gun to his head as the terrorists and the hostages oh. walked by him. And, and you know, even to this day, bringing it up to him, he, he just starts crying because it was so emotional. He could hear the hostages crying and he knew they were walking to their deaths. Um, oh, so, I no. mean, yeah, so I mean, the U.S. players and all athletes, obviously, were very impacted by the the terrorism. Um, And then, you know, so that happened September 5th. The basketball game was September 9th. So, you know, for that four-day period, it was just, uh, you know, just an an intense time for everyone, a horrible time. Um, But, you know, again, I would emphasize these guys have remained unified in their rejection of what they uh, feel like is not their, their medal. They deserve the gold and they uh, they want that gold. But the, it, the, the U.S. did appeal um, the following year and it was rejected. So whether they'll ever get a gold medal uh, before their deaths, I guess, is, is unlikely. I mean, they're all now, you know, they're grandfathers now. They were just boys then and they've waited a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's unlikely that they'll ever get the gold.
1: Yes. Well, it's a sad story. So this book is about a controversy in the 72 Olympics. It's about the yeah. Cold War in a way. It's about history. It's about sports. I mean, it covers so many topics that are interesting, in my opinion, to read. And, and of course, so history. I'm a big history buff, so I love it. Love it.
2: And, see, and, and, and I'm not, but I'm a big sports fan,
3: so I think it can appeal to yeah. many different exactly.
1: people. What a great book. We're well, I, thank I, I thankful you, you wrote you're it. both
3: right yeah thanks Paul and Mike. Thank you for having me on and and you're both right I mean it does cover it's much more than a sports book it is history and uh cold war and everything and um I'm glad you guys appreciate that it it goes sports is sort of the focus but it goes well beyond that
1: good well i'm going to send you an email and order up with some books for for our clients and for for some of our listeners. We'll but, give them away. We'll put a link in the in the show notes as well with your email address and um we're gonna sign off, but we are very thankful for your interview. It's it's fascinating. Thanks if again. If anybody David.
2: if anybody needs to get a hold of David and can't figure out how to do that, they want a book, you can always contact Paul I as well. Yeah,
1: and we'll get yeah come through us David. in our podcast and we'll get it to you. Well and, that's and great, I just David. Congratulations to say, on your
0: book. Oh. Yeah,
3: thank you. I just wanted ahead, to sure. thank you guys again. Uh, you know, it's been great talking with you. I love talking about it. It's a story I'm obviously passionate about. And yes, a lot of great questions. And uh, best of luck with the podcast. It's it's good to listen to thank the odd you. couple. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank
3: well, you we for are igniting
2: that, our passion yeah. for it, which I didn't know I had. But I well, think in terms go. of the history yeah. of, the, of this particular game, so thank you for educating me. Yeah,
1: David, we're Look. we're thankful. Uh, I hope to see you around town, and I'm looking great. forward to getting that book. All sounds right. good. You be well. Take care now.
0: You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. You've been listening to another episode of After Sports with Mike and Paul. The podcast that interviews sports celebrities after they finish their career in sports. Be sure to like and subscribe. And don't forget to click that bell to receive notices of new podcasts and interviews. After Sports, where retired athletes share their
3: stories.